Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste. We are in the most awesome moment of history and it is a great honor and privilege to share it with you in which we are accompanying the world through a planetary death and rebirth that requires the same process to occur in the microcosm of the psyche of every yogi, of everyone who is attuned to the call of this hour striking midnight in the night of history and bringing forth a new dawn. And because we are in such a moment, an extreme moment, it requires an extreme response. A response in which we return to the ultimate nature of who we are and leave behind all of those more immature aspects of the self that pertain only to the ego of one life but not to the universal, not to the planetary life and to the life of this cosmic cycle nor to the life of that intelligence and love that is the author, the creator, the sustainer, and the transformer of reality. Reality as it is known in the phenomenal plane, but from the perspective of that supreme intelligence recognized as an illusory reflection of the self. And so it is a time in which we must relearn to cultivate love for that ultimate self, that ultimate intelligence, that ultimate beingness that we had forgotten in our rush to enjoy the pleasures of the sensory plane and became involved and enmeshed in its sufferings as well and participated in the downfall of consciousness into egoic fragmentation and conflict internal and external until we as individuals and the world as a whole have been reduced to its current level of chaos, of decomposing, of coming apart and being unable to function. Not simply because of the presence of a virus which has no real lethality to be afraid of, 
but because of all of the other factors that have created the unsustainability of a morbid culture that has had its death throes triggered by this event. And it is important for us to have the vision to perceive beyond simply the momentary nature of the catastrophic coming apart of the social order and to see it in its largest frame of reference in which it is not only a blessing but gives us the opportunity to grow in ways that the culture did not allow before because it mandated a concern with money and with the development of a social identity on the phenomenal plane that ate up our life energies and forced us into a mode of activity that was a combination of drudgery and cheap thrills that created a, a loss of wholeness of the social order, a loss of the shared meanings that once held us together, the shared values in which we have become a potpourri of subcultures with no main culture any longer, no overriding ultimate value that could hold us together. And so in this retreat, we want to focus on that ultimate value, on what ultimate value, what ultimate concern, what ultimate state of consciousness can hold us together and can suffice to give us the power, the endurance, the wisdom, the love to be able to go through what we must face as the whirlwind that we are receiving after having sown the wind of the ego's maltreatment of nature and of one another, and in which the blowback of that malfeasance of human activity is now resulting in the destruction of our species and the web of life itself that has made this planet such a beautiful garden in which to abide, a garden that we have as humanity as a whole brought into a ruin and a hell realm. And the intensity of those consequences of our karma are now exponentially intensifying into their extreme demonic possibilities that must now be balanced by the angelic and the divine potentiality of our being that we had lost touch with in our fall 
into modernity and the postmodern versions of our consciousness. So if we can summon up our love for that which we have lost, both within and without, we will recognize that you cannot lose what is real. You may forget. You may suffer as a result of the ambivalence of the ego's capacity to decide to, decide to live differently from the egoic conditionings that have impelled it on a certain path, living out values that it has received second and third hand in order to satisfy parents and the social order, religious institutions and political institutions and other forces that have taken root within one's egoic consciousness. But that deeper self that lies behind the personality and the thinking process and apparatus mm -hmm. is always present, able to return and take over, take manual control over the ego's conditioning and bring about a change of the trajectory of consciousness back to our source, back to our infinite nature that has the resources and the power to enable us to meet the challenges of time with the light of eternity. Because we no longer have shared meanings or values, it's difficult, if not impossible, to even speak about that ultimate nature that is the source of our life and our consciousness and our power. Because the world, in its modern phase, jettisoned the belief in God and traded it in for a pandering to the scientific establishment as if science could offer something more useful to us than the spirit. And so it has become very common for people to be allergic to the term God or any of its associated words that are relevant and pertinent to various creeds and dogmas. And I have no interest in those religions or creeds or dogmas, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Therefore, it doesn't matter what word you use, which is why we started out saying, if you're more comfortable talking about your Buddha nature or the Tao or Brahman or yourself, the self, 
that's fine. Whatever is, as Paul Tillich said, your ultimate concern is sufficient. But there are many other names for that ultimate real that have been provided by various traditions that I think give us some insight into what it is that we have lost and what we are seeking, which is not a man on a cloud or a, a goddess on a lotus leaf or any other image of a, a being, but rather, as Tillich said, the ground of being. But even more than the ground, the the ultimate potentiality of our being that is present in every moment. And so I like the Buddhist term suchness. And sometimes it will be called thatness, as in tathagata or tat. We will use often the mantra om tat sat. In a way, you could say all three of those are words for God. Om is the original mantra that expresses the spectrum of consciousness that emerges as the cycle of time. The A-U-M in the silence. <clears throat> the connection of the insight of the mind with the feeling of the heart and the satisfaction of the integration of the two in the silence of pure presence that recognizes every manifestation as a manifestation of that which is, that which only is, and that which is, is sat, the supreme beingness manifesting in infinite forms, but always beyond any form. And I'm sure everyone has their own terms that they have taken from whatever study has been done in Eastern and Western traditions. And we could make a very long list of Kabbalistic terms and alchemical terms and terms from all of the traditions. But I would like every participant now to spend a moment and Go into your heart and ask yourself, what is your ultimate concern? If we're speaking of God in a way that you can fully relate to as what you must reach, must attain, and must love in order to attain, what is that ultimate concern, that ultimate goal, that ultimate sense of being that you may feel still out of sync with? still not quite in union with. Have you opened your mind and heart even to conceive of that which is the greatest treasure or goal of whatever search your life has been made of, whatever journey, whatever incessant research you have done into some aspect of your life, your art, your feeling of reality in order to find that gem of truth, of light, of love that has given the supreme meaning 
and allowed you to continue to go on, to develop, to grow, to accept yourself. And to give yourself the honor necessary to unfold that which has not yet appeared as part of your manifest personality or way of being in the world. Can you go into it? Can you articulate it? Can you symbolize in some way what God means to you? And in some way that will also tell you why you are here at this retreat and what your life is about and where you are going and where you have come from and how you situate yourself in this historic moment. So with that, I want to open the floor and to ask you what you have come up with because we're going to be cultivating our love of God in this retreat, but it has to be your God. I'm not here to put up some icon or idol for you to worship, uh, nor do I consider that any God that isn't yourself is worthy of worship. As the Zen master said, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. Because the only real Buddha of significance is you. Are you yet the Buddha that you might be worshiping? Are you in Christ consciousness? Are you in that level of being that is timeless, fearless, and immovable from the peace and the goodness and the joy of being that is your nature? Have you become immune to suffering? And is there something within yourself, some essence, some place, some light that you know that if you would abide in and as, you would be free of all suffering? And if there is such a light or even a concept of that essence and you're not there, is it because you do not love yourself enough? And if it's because you lack love for yourself, <clears throat> is it not true that that which you seek is in fact love? But a love that for some reason you don't feel you deserve. And if that's the case, then there has to be some incoherent false belief that is keeping you from realizing God as yourself. Something is keeping you in a state of anxiety that is not real. 
you have bowed to a false god, a false belief that is keeping you from the peace, the joy, the love, the goodness, the grace that you could feel and emanate. <clears throat> and loving God and cultivating that love requires us to remove what is false, what is not love, what is not real, what is not truth, in order to be able to abide permanently without any interruptions in our true nature. So, without further ado, I want to open the floor and ask anyone to respond in any way to what has been brought up so far. Including on live stream, Purusha, if you have any responses there. But anyone in this space of the room, please raise your hand if you have something to, to contribute to this. Kalyan. <clears throat> word, I don't know, the feeling that came um, unexpectedly, but it was very clear, was purna, fullness. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not sure if that's the feeling state after knowing that realiz mm -hmm. realized mm -hmm. God, or, but it seems more than just a feeling state. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can speak to it, but mm -hmm. uh, when I think of, of God, <laughs> or that ultimate concern, um, it is, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And it's not just um, thinking about that or, or understand, it's knowing it, it's being it, and also, I wanna say it's the relationship that I have with that, but not as I, it's when that union happens. Mm -hmm. And that, that fullness is what mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. let's say, imagined. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the I is part of that fullness, and you want to merge back into the fullness, which requires letting go of the separate I. And so perhaps the conflict is, but I don't want to not be I. I want to be the fullness and still be the I that is enjoying the fullness, right? But can you imagine integrating with the fullness, and the fullness is the real I? It's not the eye of the individual now, which is a finite particle of itself, but it is the whole, the fullness of all. Can you imagine what that feels like to be in that state where the eye of the ego has merged into the greater eye? And can everyone feel it? Let everyone be in the state of purna, of fullness, completeness, wholeness. Wholeness then means without desire, without need, without appetite, without lack. Can you be in that state without lack? And realize that is your true nature. But if there is some inability or some separation or distance between 
what you think you are and that wholeness. Try to understand what it is in you that keeps you from fully giving yourself to your own ultimate reality, your own complete nature. Is there some thought, some drive, some impulse that refuses wholeness? Go inward, go inward very deeply to let yourself know what is the obstacle to fullness. And can you now give yourself permission to drop the obstacle and be what you are? Is there anyone else who would like to offer a word for the God that you seek and that you love? Krista. Thank you. Um, um, thank you for this teaching and this satsang in general. Um, the word I that crossed my mind uh, immediately was beloved. Mm. And I I started thinking about how how I feel when you uh, read us the Sufi poems and mm. um, how I feel when I read Rumi. Um, and I, that led me to uh, see how doubtful I was before of putting a word to that uh, high, highest uh, power, highest being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I started liking, uh, after hearing the poems, the word beloved, and mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, uh, stayed with me. Mm-hmm. And then when you started asking about, um, it was an interesting exercise when you started asking um, what's what's keeping us, and if we are able to love oneself, um, because you you take that other away, and then you put that God within you, and then realize I don't really love myself. Mm-hmm. And when I started asking, what's what's keeping me, and then um, it's very, um, I guess it it's. It puts me in a very vulnerable place, but I feel I feel that since as a as a kid I I felt very neglected. Um, it's it's hard for me to believe that there's a God that could love me, and even harder or um, that I could that it that I could love myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah the. The whole beloved. I know why mm-hmm. I like this word so much. It's because mm-hmm. of that lifelong search for mm-hmm. the love of another yes. that never happened, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's all somehow mm-hmm. attached. 
Yes. So I I mm-hmm. I like to thank you for mm-hmm. for this exercise. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Krista. And you know the Sufis call God the Beloved, but also the Lover. So God is the one who loves you as you are, and who knows you in a deeper way than you know yourself. Because the you that feels unworthy of God's love, or even of human love, is a conditioned you that is responding to the fact that you didn't get the love that you deserved, and you made the assumption that you didn't deserve it, which was not an accurate assumption. But by making that assumption, then you created a life in which you produced a a personality that by believing herself to be unworthy could never find that love and could never find it either outside with another or find it inward and so has been lost in a loveless realm. But it's part of the illusion, the maya, the mirage of lovelessness that comes from living only in that sliver of consciousness that is the conditioning of the ego. And that's why it's so important to realize you are not that and you are not simply the reflection of the lack of lovefulness of the family system from which your childhood was uh, enmeshed and and, uh, conditioned by. So when you recognize that, you will be able to get to the root of your being and recognize that both of those aspects of the soul that are lover and beloved, male and female, yin and yang, both are able to return home into that oneness that is the purna, the fullness and completion of our journey. And you can give yourself that gift now and then let that love emanate as a gift to everyone. Thank you. The ego's traumas today, because of the uh, unhealthiness of nearly every family system in the West and most in the East as well, in the world at large, uh, have produced egos that feel unlovable and unworthy and have, have created Uh, an inability not only to love oneself but to give love or receive it. And so the lack of love has produced couples who lack love who then uh, give birth to the next generation of children who are afflicted with even worse conditions of lovelessness than the generation before. And so the curse uh, of lovelessness has reached its ultimate level of... uh, not only self-hatred, but a desire to to die, to leave a world that is so loveless and and so uh, empty and barren of meaning and of joy because the soul has never received recognition of its true nature or been allowed to flower by those who have projected their own shadows onto their own children and into the society at large and demonized the other. And so it is that uh, darkness that all of us are laboring under that we must uh, remove and can only remove through finding the light that underlies all of these layers of the mind that have been conditioned by lovelessness.
Okay, Purusha. I've got about uh, five responses, so I'll just okay. read them all. Sure. Okay. Uh, Usha shares that what I found cannot be expressed in words, but if I try, maybe I can say open, empty, loving, peaceful, blissful space. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Denise says the essence of love is the feeling I get. Mm-hmm. Christian says union with God or theosis from the Eastern Orthodox standpoint has been very inspiring as setting what is the goal of life. But go into that word of theosis and, and turn it into something you can feel and palpate within yourself so it's not simply a theoretical term or the imagining of some Holy Ghost descending upon you, but the realization of your own divinity as present within you here and now. If you can do that, then you will be fulfilling the real mandate of Christianity to realize your godliness. Okay, go ahead. Gurleen says God feels to be that unreachable yet here at all time. The obstacle is the separate I who is either who either is doing great or falling away from the so-called purity. However, in that, with a capital T, nothing exists except that. Mm -hmm. Maria says grace, gratitude, overflowing grace. And Alejandra says indescribable source of infinite love, creativity, and beauty. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. All of those, of course, are, are attributes and aspects of God. You can never fully describe what God is because we're talking about infinite creativity, infinite intelligence, infinite goodness, love, etc. And you could speak forever and never come to an end of the terms that could express more and more of the facets of what God really is, which is your own infinite potentiality. Is there any other, anyone else wishes to offer? Ah, Jagdish. Thank you. What came to mind is the word silence as mm. God. Mm. And there are two silences that came to mind. There's the silence of presence, mm -hmm. and then there's the silence of the mind. Mm -hmm. which is not silent. Mm -hmm. And so silence of presence mm -hmm. is not a verb, but mm -hmm. silence of the mind is an unceasing verb. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, uh, an adjective. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't describe presence. Mm -hmm. It's beyond any description. Mm -hmm. But the silence of the mind has all of its attributes that... Um, are infinite, mm -hmm. uh, uh, w with starting with the I thought and the mm -hmm. body identification, and so um, it's the realization that love for God is the love for absolute silence. Mm -hmm. That's beyond mm -hmm. adjective, noun, or verb. That's yes. just there. Yes, beautiful. Infinite. Yes. Thank you, Jagdish. It's beautiful. And, and I think ultimately, of course, if you really focus on your presence, the mind will become silent as a byproduct of the, 
the joy of what presence is because it is the Purna, it is the beloved, it is all of that uh, goodness and uh, peace that emerges in the silence. But uh, I think for the ego, when the ego stops talking to itself, it doesn't feel present, it feels absent because it identifies with the stream of words that are going on in the mind. And so when the ego stops talking to itself, it starts to feel lonely and without parameters and boundaries and an other that gives it its identity and its certainty of who it is and what it should be doing. And, and so the silence can create anxiety and a sense of lack and a sense of falling into a non-being, a nothingness that isn't presence, but is simply the absence of consciousness. And I think that fear, which is not based on the truth, but, but based on the identification with language and, and with thought, uh, uh, can't stand the silence uh, and has to go through a period of dealing with the anxiety that comes when in meditation, one begins to reach silence and uh, and to not give in to the interruption of the silence by the production of mundane thought that diverts from the depths of the abyss of silence that will be felt as a threat to one's uh, being rather than the culmination of the realization of one's true nature. So I think that uh, ambivalence between uh, uh, being and nothingness, uh, presence and absence that cannot be discerned by the ego is one of the main obstacles we have. Durga. Some words came to mind like a mm -hmm. for a free association and it was magic mm -hmm. a paradox mm -hmm. a miracle sense of humor a lot of sense of humor of mm -hmm. god and intelligence but mostly was like ultimate benevolence because mm. what i feel about god is full trust because mm -hmm. that i don't understand but mm -hmm. he he well, <laughs> he knows and so that kind of full trust mm -hmm. is what gives like a uh, what it came to mind was a fierce sense of fearlessness mm -hmm. well it would be Durga would have a very fierce sense of no doubt <laughs> to do whatever because mm -hmm. it's God's idea so that, that's what it came mm -hmm. beautiful I I think all of that is is paradoxical in the fact that you have used paradox as one of the essential terms and and that means that everything has its own opposite that it, it is somehow united with and the integration of the opposites uh, produces that kind of sense of humor that recognizes the dark within the light and the good within the evil so the benevolence can often paradoxically not look like benevolence, but like malevolence, but that's an inaccurate and a partial way of perceiving the wholeness, the purnatva 
of reality that only with the eye of God open we can perceive and enjoy and laugh at without suffering from. So thank you for that. Okay, Bruce. Uh, sharing from Alyssa. Alyssa says, the concept of God has shifted and evolved with my own evolution towards comprehending the self. I was raised Christian, so I recognize that my mind's concept of God is often jointed with the image of Jesus. But as I looked into Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, etc., I found that it is all just the same God, and when thinking of the different manifestations of that same God, I also have different feelings associated with those different avatars. All powerful feelings, but they have different flavors, so to speak. Now I am seeing God as ultimate presence and am being blessed beyond words by others and by nature with abundance. I am realizing now that God is all, constantly helping me to grow and to evolve, to spread love and joy. This God I know, this God I am realizing I am realizing surpasses all religion and can't be confined to those images. This God can only be known within my heart in the stillness of presence. I also realized recently that I have finally learned to love God, love myself, I'm sorry, and this only came when I found true love and adoration for God. The two hands, the two hand in hand. I am so grateful to the greatest being that we all came from. I have found a paradise amidst the chaos and am not worried about all, at all about what will happen because I trust and have faith. Praise be forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. That was beautiful. And yes, I agree that the various religions give us different flavors of God uh, when we think about them in the imaginary register. Uh, in, in the way that the mythology depicts uh, these uh, concepts uh, as, uh, as folk, uh, folklore and figures of, uh, uh, of episodes of interaction of uh, beings. <clears throat> but if one uh, abstracts from that the symbolic references and uh, metaphoric and analogical uh, implications, of all of those different flavors, they lead to that core of being that is identical in all the religions. But the nuances of each flavor, of each uh, mythological system, will emphasize more one or another uh, aspect of uh, God consciousness. And for those who are in the ego and may need a flavor that refers to uh, a duality, to a God either who suffered and died for our sins or who gets to play around because uh, you know, he has so many virtues as Krishna did or, or goes through the heroic uh, pursuits of Rama, of Hanuman, uh, of the, the great hero's journeys that different avatars go through, the different battles with the demonic and the victories over uh, the of the evil forces of Maya, which all come down to the ego and the superego, and the churning of the ocean to bring out all of the medicines and the gems and the poison that must be swallowed and transformed 
into the ultimate nectar of immortality. All of these mythological motifs refer to the psychological process of returning to God consciousness through the alchemical refinement of our consciousness. So there seem to be three different dialectical relationships in all of these. And I would, I would use the terms for the, the first types of mythologies as processes of alchemy of the purification, the refinement, the cutting away of the false and the low and the unworthy and the, uh, the, the purification of the soul and the sensitizing to the more subtle and the more divine aspects of consciousness. Put all of that in alchemy. And then that is thesis. And then the antithesis, I think, could be represented by Kabbalah. Kabbalah means the receipt, the receiving of the grace. So first you work real hard to be worthy of it, but then you can also have a, an approach in which you don't have to work at all. You just receive the grace. Let God give it to you because God loves you no matter how you are. All you have to do is be open to it and you will receive that which will uh, transform you into your ultimate uh, version of yourself. And then there is the, the, uh, the synthesis, let's say, of which I think Satyoga is, uh, is functioning as, which is the realization that you are that. You are the giver as well as the receiver. And, and that all of these processes of refinement and, and the receiving of insight and shakti and grace and deliverance, all of this is something you're giving to yourself and that you're sharing with all out of the nature of your being that is the combination of the absolute and the relative. And that combination seems like a duality but is actually a unity. And in that realization of, of the two and of the, uh, that part that uh, integrates the two, then I think we have a full picture of what all of the traditions have expressed. So let's map it. So let's say we have one circle that then becomes two, and one is the original absolute consciousness that then in its manifestation becomes the infinite. And in between you have the vesica piscis, which is the Christ consciousness, or that creative mode of consciousness, which learns how to symbolize the relative how to extract from the events that happen to us the wisdom and the, uh, the, the love that enables us compassionately to serve and to realize ourselves again as the absolute. So the lower circle, samsara, the higher nirvana, the two are actually, you could say, two sides of a coin or a Mobius strip that are actually one side, ultimately. 
and it is our creative intelligence that makes us realize that the two are one and we are no longer needing to be trapped in an either or. We don't need to go running away to a cave in Tiruvannamalai or, or, or some desert in order to realize the absolute. We can do it in the midst of the crowd, wherever we are in the solitude of consciousness. And we can be in the relative in the state of joy, even in a, a world of suffering and dissolution, because the relative is only the expression of the timeless absolute in which there is no death and no suffering, but only a divine play in which all the potentialities of light and dark, day and night, uh, good and evil, are expressed in order to mature our consciousness back into the capacity to contain and love the whole, all of which we are. And in that completion of our being, the world is completed. God is revealed as the world, as the self, and as the creative power to dream a new world, a new expression, a more beautiful expression of the self that does not require suffering and darkness, but that can create a world of joy and of light and of beauty. And it is that world that now is asking to be born, but can only be born once we have gone through our own birth canal of realization of the true nature that must uh, let go and die to the old self that was conditioned and, and that had lost touch with its own true divine lovability and beauty and goodness. And so it is that uh, ultimate benevolence of the real that brings us through the eye of the needle from Kali Yuga to a new Sat Yuga, which is happening now that if we have faith, if we have trust, if we surrender uh, to that ultimate reality that we know to be the self, we will pass through without suffering and without uh, loss of our, uh, our, our true essence. But in fact, it will give us the very opportunity to burn away all that was unreal, and again to shine as that eternal light to the world that needs light more than ever in this time of death and darkness. And so we are called upon to realize that self that everyone knows is our true nature and that now we must no longer mask with the thoughts of the mind that are there only to divert from the anxiety of the ego's knowledge that it is not real, that it lacks being. We must have the courage to drop that ego completely and go through the anxiety, the dark night of the soul, the death of the ego, to find the promised land of light and love that is our true nature our God self and the real that is being born within us, through us, and all around us.
as the expression of what we are beyond time and space that is now saturating and permeating time and space with a reality that can no longer be denied. So let's continue in this retreat to deepen our understanding of what we seek and to love that and to allow the love that is that to dissolve the bondages of distrust and of uh, the disfigured self-image that has kept us from being willing to face our God consciousness in the fullness of the truth of what we are. And if we have the courage to burn through the illusory layers of the ego and the conditionings of the past that created fear and anger and hatred and dismay and distrust and cynicism and all of those dark emotions, if we're willing to burn them away, we will find that pure gold of the self again that will be the ultimate value that the world needs now to replace all of the money systems that are collapsing and proving valueless because they weren't based on trust in God or the realization of godly benevolence. And now by having that, we can bring back all other value to the world that all depends on the one ultimate value of God realization. Namaste. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti podcast. For more information on programs and retreats, click on the calendar section of our website, www.satyoga.org. Our work is made possible by the generous support of our listeners, viewers, and members. To make a donation, please visit the donate page of our website. We thank you for your support in our mission to share this timeless wisdom with the world. Namaste.